And here we... Oh, shit. Way to time that one perfectly. Was that a picture that it not, not Not like Curtis Axel perfect. Or, yeah. or Kurt Henning perfect. Right. Anyway, welcome everyone to episode 230 of the Evan Marks Podcast. I'm Jay. And I am, I was, and I will always be the brainless one. Yeah? Uh, very interesting show we got to get into this week. Um, quite a bit of interesting stuff happened in wrestling this week. We said goodbye to the Thunderdome. We said goodbye to Mr. Wonderful. It was not wonderful to find that out. And we had a couple of returns this week. We had a trade this week. And we had a call-up from NXT. Yeah. And we have ourselves a pay-per-view tomorrow night as we will be doing our Money in the Bank. I cannot wait to make my Money in the Bank predictions for tomorrow. Okay. I got a couple of freaking curveballs in there, boy. Woo! Uh, and on a, a separate but podcast-related note, do you know what next week is? Aurora Borealis? Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen down here, but uh, it will be Aurora Borealis for us. It will be five years of the podcast. We're, we're going to get the I Bundy can, count next week. I cannot believe we've made it to five years, Jay. So. But we'll get into that next week. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, next week, tune in with your beers. I will be. Yeah. I may or may not do Edward 40 hands, depending on the circumstance. I'm trying to talk Nicole into not having me do that, but we'll see how that goes. So my guess is I'll be doing Edward 40 hands. Uh, yeah. Uh, and on top of that, there also have been rumors about Rock, The Rock wrestling at WrestleMania this year. Or, or, or this coming year so and we'll get into that just a little bit paul nelson just said that the current brand of wrestling is unwatchable i'd rather watch paint dry i you know i would if you're talking specifically in-ring product i would say the in-ring product today is better than it was in the attitude era better than the golden era better than most of that stuff Mm -hmm. so from strictly wrestling, uh, I don't agree. But if you're talking character standpoint, 100% agree. Storyline wise, absolutely agree. Um, but Ro- Roman Reigns is watchable. Oh God, he's he's killing it right now. So he's better than that freaking no good, disgusting, ugly fuck that's the AEW Impact and any other freaking wrestling organization champion, Doctor Derp himself, Kenny <laughs> Omega. Yeah. Who will be number two in your programs and more likely than not no higher than number two in the BWI Top 500 Wrestlers for 2021. Yeah. What's up, Mike? How you doing, Mike? Thanks for tuning in. But, uh, yeah, so I I hate this. You know, I always say this every time when we do this, but I hate the fact that we have to start this show on a somber note. Yeah. And I hate starting the shows on a somber note, but it happens. But we did find out this week um, earlier that WWE Hall of Famer and a GOAT, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff passed away at the age of 71, I believe it was. 71. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, for many, many years, was very bitter at WWE, bitter specifically at Hulk Hogan. Brother. Because in the mid-80s, it was basically Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper that were the people going against Hulk Hogan Four main events, 
you know, that they had throughout the year. You know, Mr. Wonderful and, uh, you know, never got his opportunity at Hogan at, like, WrestleMania. But, you know, Mr. Wonderful, I remember him growing up, like, having the pile driver as his ending move. And everybody talked about how devastating Paul Orndorff's was just based off his physique and mm -hmm. everything that went along with him. And I think uh, Orndorff, if I'm remembering right, was also a former professional football player. I want to say you're right. I, I, I want to say he might have. Maybe he was a USFL dude, but or, or or maybe Tampa Bay Bucks, but you know, Mister Wonderful in the ring, like he was always really solid. Like uh, I enjoyed his character. He was certainly full of himself. You know, I definitely have fond memories from when he like back then. He was the guy who turned heel face, heel face, heel face because. They wanted somebody to team with Hogan, uh, and there'll be a time where Orndorff would get fed up with Roddy Piper, so then he would help out Hogan, and then Orndorff would turn coat, and then go against Hulk Hogan. And I think Orndorff, over the years, felt that at some point he should have gotten a run with the title, and I don't think he's wrong. You know, he was part of the Heenan family for a bit, and I think he, he could have and should have had some sort of run but you know Vince was building everything around Hogan and didn't want to stop Hogan's momentum by taking the title away from him you know after a couple of years back then I mean before Hulk Hogan you had you know Iron Sheik was the transitional champion but before him it was like Bob Backlund and Bob Backlund had like a three or four year six run year run six, six year, year run as champion the same thing with uh, Bruno San Martino San Martino had a I think it was a three year and an eight year run with the title. He's got the longest reign in wrestling he does. history, yes. And then, well, he's got the longest men's run. Oh, Fabulous yeah, Moolah had it for like 27 years. years. Right. Got it. Uh, but, you know, Mr. Wonderful was a solid in-ring performer, a Agreed. solid character. And when he went to WCW, his run wasn't as good as it was in WWE, but mm -hmm. I specifically remember, I think it was Super Brawl 3, he went against Cactus Jack, mm -hmm. and I think it was either no DQ or false count anywhere, and you could tell Mr. Wonderful was like the old school guy trying to, I'm not going to say trying to teach Cactus a lesson, mm -hmm. but like wanted to make sure, does this boy really want this? Mm -hmm. And Mr. Wonderful beat the holy heck out of him. But one thing that aided with Mr. Wonderful kind of getting bitter is there was a run he had with Hulk Hogan where he had had, I think, like a stinger or something. And something, he, he, he I think, basically got atrophy in, I think it was his left arm. And he would sit there and lift and lift and lift and lift, but his arm never got better. And when you see him... Like, his WWF days, you don't really see, like, the arm getting smaller, but when you see him, specifically, like, in this match against Cactus Jack, one arm is clearly much smaller than the other. And there was just nothing that they could do about it. And Orndorff puts it down to, there was a run he had with Hogan where he continued to wrestle when he should have taken time off. And he didn't feel that there was enough respect given to him for wrestling hurt and for a long time he held that against Vince saying hey you're just making money off of my body 
and what are you doing here? So Orndorff was bitter for a while and wouldn't show up at a lot of WWF things for a while. But, you know, he got his Hall of Fame induction and occasionally he'd show up on the Raw, you know, Legends Nights. Mm -hmm. But I know for the brainless one, there's one specific moment in somewhat recent memory that the brainless one really loves that Paul Orndorff was a part of. Now, don't get it twisted. I enjoyed the fact that Paul Orndorff is part of the trivia question of who were part of the first ever main event at the first ever WrestleMania. Because it was Paul Orndorff who teamed up with Roddy Roddy Piper with another Hall of Famer, Cowboy Bob, in their corner as they took on the team of Hulk Hogan and Mr. T and what most people say is one of the most legendary uh, mainstream main events in WrestleMania history. And if that main event wasn't as big of a hit, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about how the Iron Sheik could potentially or should potentially be at WrestleMania 38 next year after, you know, Eden said his line. But as Jay said, there was one specific moment with Paul Orndorff that really sticks out for me. And that was, I want to say it was seven years ago. It was 2014. Yep, seven years ago. In August. And they were celebrating Hulk Hogan's birthday, so they busted out all the legends. So Paul Orndorff was there, uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Mean Gene Oakland, obviously. Piper, Roddy Rick Piper, Flair. Ric Flair. And at the time, Cena was feuding with Brock Lesnar. So when they were celebrating Hogan's birthday and everything, Brock Lesnar comes out, and he gets in all the people's faces. And I remember specifically, I'm like, yeah. Piper, of all the people in the ring, Piper probably has the best chance against Brock Lesnar if it came down to a fight. Because he's nuts. Because he's a fucking lunatic. And Ric Flair is the most likely of the people to actually get into a fight with Brock Lesnar because he's nuts. But my favorite part about it was Paul Heyman goes up to Hulk Hogan and goes, So, what you gonna do, Hulkster? And Brock Lesnar grabs the microphone and goes, party's over, Grandpa, to Hulk Hogan. And seeing how pissed off Hulk Hogan was because Brock Lesnar comes out and interferes with his party and, and calls Hulk Hogan Grandpa. As you can see in the background, Paul Orndorff is losing his shit. He's laughing so hard because of the fact that Brock Lesnar basically shat all over Hulk Hogan and there was nothing that Hulk Hogan can do, brother. So... For me, that it's just it's it always sticks out because it would. I mean, as funny as it was that Brock Lesnar said what he said to Hulk Hogan, it was so much better because of the fact that Orndorff, who has his personal issues with Hogan in the past, is laughing hysterically over that. So it, it's unfortunate. I I enjoyed watching Paul Orndorff as a, as a young kid. Paul Orndorff was a. I, I, more so for his WCW run for me, mm-hmm. because by the time I really got into wrestling, he was already out of WWE. Sure. But either way, a legendary person and a legendary character, and it's just sad to see that he had had gone. Um, and they set up a GoFundMe for him for his funeral and, and trying to set it up for, you know, I think like $25,000 to have the funeral. But, you know, that just speaks to some of the stuff that many of the wrestlers from back in the day, you know, the problem that they had is they didn't save money or, you know, they did drugs or whatever. So, you know, clearly Paul Orndorff did not have a lot of money in his, you know, last 
few years, mm -hmm. and, and that's just sad. It's like he was, you know, it was basically Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, and then Paul Orndorff. Those were like, in my view, the top three. I mean, obviously Andre the Giant, but Andre even, you know, at that time was not showing up every week. You know, he was specifically an attraction. Mm -hmm. You know, WrestleMania two, he was in a battle royal. If you were in a battle royal today, what does that say about you? Nothing. You're basically just there to collect a paycheck. Right. But the thing was is that with Andre, that was part of the allure of watching Andre was because he they won used to every play. battle royal. They put him in every fucking battle royal. And I'll tell you right now, and and, and to be fair, that battle royal WrestleMania two doesn't get the accolades that it deserves because it was such a legendary battle royal. Because you think about it, you had Andre the Giant in there. You had Pedro Morales that was in there. You had Bret the Hitman Hart, a very young Bret the Hitman Hart. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You had, but you had guys from the NFL that were in there, like Russ Francis, who you know played for, for yeah. your team once upon a time ago. Um, Harvey Fridge. Martin was in it. The legendary Refrigerator Perry was in there. Um, it Big was just, John Studd. Big John Studd. I mean, just a, it was a who's who's a battle royal, and it had such legendary moments because Bruno when, San Martino was in that too. Bruno Bruno San Martino's only match at WrestleMania was in that battle royal at WrestleMania two, and I think that. Bruno at, like, 900 when he was in that match could have thrown out Andre. Well, the thing was, when Bruno came back around that time, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, he's just an old man, and, like, they thought that they could blow up Bruno San Martino. During that run, you know who got blown up when they were in the ring with that dude? Everybody but Bruno. Bruno was in that kind of shape. Uh, but back then, Bruno was in the company to try to get his son a shot at wrestling. And David San Martino was in WWF shortly. But, yeah, there, there were a lot of legendary people in there. But, you know, Paul Orndorff, you know, had quite the career in professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. When he went to WCW, he was part of the crew that was training people at the power plant, at least for a little while. Yep. So he was training a lot of wrestlers. Uh, but the idea, though, that... The wrestlers back from back in the day, a lot of them are just broke now. Yeah. Unless, like, you know, they would they go to wrestling conventions and you know, as much as people are like, I don't want to pay twenty dollars for an autograph. It's like that's how they make their money. Yeah. So, but it's sad that you know, he he. After all that hard work and all the things he had done so well in the professional wrestling industry, that, you know. It seems like it was kind of a struggle for him mm -hmm. in the last few remaining years. So, you know, definitely uh, rest in power, Paul Orndorff. And, you know, your your legacy is with us and we'll, you know. One last thing I'd like to add and then we can move on to the next topic. And I think you're going to find this very interesting. And I know there everybody's going to find this very interesting as well. Did you know that with Paul Orndorff passing away, Hulk Hogan's opponents from the first six WrestleManias are all dead. Because Piper and Orndorff from one are dead. WrestleMania two, he fought King Kong Bundy. Yep. WrestleMania three, obviously Andre. Andre the Giant. Four, Andre the, Andre Giant. the Giant. Five, ooh, yeah, the Macho Man. It's, as sad as it is, as much as I love the Macho Man, but yes, he's Hogan. Over. And WrestleMania uh, six, uh, he ultimate fought warrior. the Ultimate Warrior. 
So somebody find somebody needs to find Sergeant Slaughter and like put him in like a bubble or. And, and, and Sid Vicious is somewhere out there still. Oh, Sid is fine. Uh, Yokozuna is not with us. Yes, that's right. But he technically fought Ted DiBiase and IRS at WrestleMania Nine as well. Right. Because they fought as yes, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and The Rock, who faced Hogan at WrestleMania, is still alive. And The Rock, it was just posted this morning as a. a a news item that they are trying desperately to get The Rock for WrestleMania 38 in Dallas. And, and shit. So, obviously the thing that I think everybody wants to see is Roman Reigns versus The Rock in a singles match. The Rock has been on Twitter specifically saying, hey, I, I, I'd be down for it. And But th there was talk specifically of The Rock not wanting to tarnish his legacy a la Goldberg and Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. So one of the things that has been possibly pitched, that we will get The Rock at WrestleMania and Roman Reigns, but it will be a tag match. And The Rock will have Jimmy Uso and Roman Reigns will have Jay Uso, so Rocket, 49 years old, even though he is in spectacular shape, will not have to, you know, carry the burden uh, of a singles match. Because oh, if you have a match like that, you know that they're, like, it's got to be at least a 15 to 20 minute match, and it'll probably be longer than that. And it'll be good because, like, The Rock will get the cousin... That is, you know, it's not like he's got, like, issues or anything. Oh, wait, that's right. He just, we were just talking about it last week, about how he's had his 95th DUI in the last three years. So, I mean, whatever they do with The Rock, you know, I'm always I'm always glad to see The Rock, whatever it is. The Rock you know. in the ring is better than no Rock in the ring. Agreed. And that's it, how I feel about Brock Lesnar, too. Even at WrestleMania 32, uh, when they had the standoff with the Wyatt family. Where he beat I, Eric Rowan in five seconds. I, honestly, like... I don't see that as a match, but, like, The Rock coming out into the ring and having that stare down with the Wyatt family, that's all I needed. I didn't even need the, the crappy six-second match. Yeah, agreed. But one of the things they're also discussing for the tag team match is if there are certain insurance things to have to worry about as far as uh, Rock and his movie stuff, they feel they could kind of subvert any insurance hurdles by having it be a tag team match instead of a solo match yeah i mean it makes sense and like especially with him and with cena because like a lot of people were speculating that cena was supposed to be coming back this year to set up for his match against roman reigns which it looks like the two main events that they were possibly talking about for SummerSlam this year are both going to be off the books because now we're going to with what's been released this week that we're expecting for the next couple of days is coming out. We'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. But like with the Rock and, and with Cena, with their their movie careers the way they are, it's just like you gotta. It's gotta be the perfect time, perfect storm type of situation. Because I know that they want to get Cena back, and Cena also wants to come back to WWE just like the Rock does. And allegedly, with with Cena, he will be on WWE TV within the next couple of weeks. Allegedly. Now, if John Cena is going to be on WWE TV. I don't think they're going to try to have it be a surprise. You want to tell people John Cena is going to be there, so one, you'll get an audience on TV, and two, if you have not sold out tickets at whatever arena, mm -hmm. you want them to know, like, today. 
John Cena will be there, so you'll sell more tickets and get more eyeballs on the product. Do we get do-do-do-do, or do we get... We definitely get the do-do-do-do. Okay. We definitely do. Now, if we do get the do-do-do-do, do we get John Cena sucks with it? Because I think most people are going to cheer him. There's still going to be the, the people smarts. that will do both. Because, yeah. like, cause like, last night on SmackDown, I, I was excited because, like, last night was the first SmackDown we had fans that, in like, what did they say, 70 weeks was the first time we had, you know, yeah. had, a, had a show like that. And the Vince mix, McMahon at the beginning. I, I love that, by the way. But Roman Where did get a... You Roman got a mixed reaction. Yeah. He got a lot of booze, and it was a justifiable booze. Yeah. Because before, he was getting the booze because, like, everybody was sick and tired of the way he was getting shoved on everybody. No, this struts. was a different type this of is a boo. Different ty- this was a different type of boo where the, the, the people who... Uh, ooh, that would not sound good. Um, the people who typically would be cheering him were booing him, and the people who would typically boo him were cheering him. But it, it was great either way just to see the fans back and see the, the reactions. And as Roman Reigns said, he carried the uh, the, the pandemic. He did, era. the pandemic oh, era. He, he... But I, I just... Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Because Roman Reigns was out for, what, like, at least the, the few, first, few, like, four or five months yeah. after the birth of his twins. But it was good that he did take that time off because it helped him develop the character that he has developed into now. And he's killing it. This is he's one of the this character that he's doing right now. And I know I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. This is one of the best characters I've ever seen. This is some of the best character work I've ever seen in my life. Well, and he needed to have dance partners too. He needed to have Jay Uso to make it work. He needed Paul Heyman to open that door. Paul Heyman is is very good at what he does. He's the goat, and he is he's been doing it for a very long time. Because like even last night. When they had the moment, because like they had the, they opened up with the six man tag match where Edge teamed up Play with up. the Mysterios to go up against Roman Reigns and his cousins, the Usos, and and they they did go over in the match, but Edge had the last laugh kind of sort yeah, of yeah yeah he had the, the, the thing in there where Roman was trying to do to Edge and Edge speared him and and I, again we had another night where the the Bucktooth Beaver fucker was doing such a terrible. He, he loves. Me off. Uh, he, he, you know what he when he found out that they were having crowds last night, like the whole show. I'm sure he was like, ooh, crowd shot, ooh, crowd shot, ooh, crowd shot, ooh, crowd shot. He pissed me off because he could have done so much better. Like they need to have the the camera on McAfee a lot more when Nakamura's coming out. I'm sorry, you ruined such a beautiful thing with McAfee because McAfee's having fun and people want to see people having fun. So one of the thing things I think performers would say is the announcer is supposed to be there to not be the story. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be additive to what's yeah. going on in the ring and should not detract or, like, distract yeah. from the performer. So, you know, there might be a little bit of blowback from Nakamura, whoever, saying... Why are you showing that guy? You're supposed to be showing me. I'm the, like, person. I would also probably go back to that person and say, uh, we're paying this guy good money, and we're here to entertain people. This is part of an overall package. You need to park your ego at the effing door and be fine with it. I I like it, like you said, I like it because it's entertaining, but honestly, there's, I, Nakamura probably has a problem with it. 
I don't think I. I don't. Nakamura doesn't seem like one of those types of people who would have a problem with it. Somebody like a Shawn Michaels or Hulk Hogan could definitely, sure. I could definitely see having a problem with it. Nakamura loves having fun. Nakamura does. Nakamura to me just does not seem like somebody who would have a problem with McAfee you celebrating right. him coming out to the ring. Because I mean, if that was well, the case, I mean, he's he, got the boogs. He's got boogs. He's got the crown. People fucking love him. Maybe was, it's all part of the package. And, and part of. And, Part of what I really loved about the fans coming out last night, I didn't realize how much I missed, especially now that his old entrance song, his GOAT entrance song that he had before he got the other GOAT oh. entrance song, like how the fans... When were, they hear that. When, like the fans singing along to the Nakamura entrance song, it's, it's one of those things that gets overlooked and underappreciated for what it means to him because of the kind of character that he is and how the fans gravitate to him because they know how good of a performer the Nakamura is. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think McAfee's a distraction or part of the entertainment value of Nakamura and part of the entertainment value of SmackDown? Do you have a preference? Would you rather him be more like Byron Saxton or, or, or be more similar to Corey Graves? Or, or do you prefer McAfee to be McAfee? Speaking of uh, Corey Graves and Byron Saxton, Byron Saxton came out and did an interview this week, and he had said that Corey Graves is at the level of, and this is this is the uh, like one of the greatest compliments you can get as a, especially as a ring announcer. He is he said that Corey Graves is in the conversation with Jesse the Body Ventura and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Those are two of the most iconic, legendary color analysts in wrestling history. Absolutely. For, for me, I mean, it's Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan right. is far and beyond what everybody could be as a color analyst. You know what the first thing I think of when I hear of Bobby Heenan as a color analyst? Hacksaw Jim Duggan? No. I knew he was going to do that. <laughs> right after Shawn Michaels, like, through Marty Jannetty, through the barbershop window, but like, mm -hmm. it, like, literally five seconds before, he was like going, the Rockers are back together. I yeah. knew they were going to get back together or something along those lines. And like, just being the heel announcer, it's like, I understand, like, if you're an adult, you might have said, oh, that's just stupid. As a kid, mm -hmm. I like, this is like the greatest thing ever. And guess what? I still think all these years later, it's like the greatest thing ever. For me, what really sticks out for like Bobby Heenan for what he did as a as an announcer, as a color analyst, I always think of the '92 Royal Rumble and the way he 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 killed it. Like Ric Flair winning it was awesome as a, 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 in its own right, but the fact is is that Bobby Heenan <laughs> carried that fucking match and it made Ric Flair's victory that much better. But also, there was one moment that always sticks out. I don't remember exactly when it happened. But there was a, a, a moment where he was at the he was call, calling a match with Randy Savage and Jim Ross, and this really defines the person that Bobby Heenan was. And WrestleMania Nine, baby. And what ended up happening was in the, in the match there was something that happened where the, the heel did something nefarious, and and Jim Ross was like, I you know Jim Ross and and, and Savage uh, Savage were calling it like, hey, I saw him do something like that. And Bobby Heenan's like, he didn't do anything. I didn't see him do anything. And and Randy Savage is like, well, I saw him do it. And he's like, or no, I think it was where Heenan saw somebody do it, and Savage said he didn't see it. And he goes, of course you didn't see it, Savage. You wear sunglasses and a hat. 
And, and Jim Ross goes, I'm not wearing sunglasses, and I have a hat, and I didn't see it. He goes, yeah, well, you're from Oklahoma. <laughs> and it's like, come on. Like, how beautiful is that? He was so good with the quick wit. Yeah. That's what separates Heenan from everybody else. It worked when he was a manager, and it worked when he was a color analyst. And I've been saying it for a while. Corey Graves is one of those guys that the more he does it, the better that he's getting at being a, a broadcaster. Yes, it was a little irritating when he used to sit there and just like verbally orgasm over Mandy Rose. And yes, we get it when you were doing the same Carmella. thing with Carmella and how, yeah, we get it. You're dating her and everything. But all in all, Corey Graves does a wonderful job as a color analyst. He's the best color analyst that they have in the business. And Pat McAfee, on the flip side, is doing such a great job as quickly and he's just kind of grasp the role as quickly and as well as he has and he's he's killing it he, he, he's like kurt angle but for commentators yes uh and adnan burke is like kazarni he lasted longer than kazarni <laughs> just a little bit uh mike but, rainey says that he enjoys pat mcafee chris brown says mcafee would be 10 times more obnoxious if they were to put Bailey at the desk while she... Isn't that what I just... I said that to you last week. Well, they put her at the desk, and then she can continue her barbs with Cole, and then when she returns, then they could have that match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, Because actually she'll be... She should be recovered right around WrestleMania. Yep. Because nothing would nothing would make me happier than seeing Michael Cole wrestle again at WrestleMania. Right. Because it was such a great match when he fought Jerry Lawler and ruined Jerry Lawler's only WrestleMania match. Speaking of Adam or, or Adam Cole, Michael Cole, this is just one thing that occasionally pops into my brain. Do you realize how ahead of his time he was? Michael Cole with the coal mine knew about coronavirus like nine years ahead of time. He, he, he sat there, and, and, and he had his coal mine, so nobody could breathe on him. Nobody could talk to him. And then one of my favorite WrestleMania moments was when Undertaker and Triple H absolutely obliterated the coal mine during their match. Yeah, I, I think that. it was uh, WrestleMania 27. I think that was the same one that Lawler That he had fought. the match. Yeah. So, uh, but he was ahead of his time, so just saying. Yeah, agreed. But. Yeah? Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? So, uh, one thing that was not shown on TV last night on SmackDown that did happen, uh, Davey Boy Smith's son had a dark match. Bulldog Puppy Jr. So, you know, he has been away from the company for about 10 years now, had gone out and done the independent scene, done stuff in Japan. Had a hell of a run in New Japan. Yeah. So it looks like, you know, he's looking to, you know, come home. Uh, I'm wondering if when his dad got inducted into the Hall of Fame, maybe he's like going, you know what? It's time they're showing, they showed a respect to my dad for all he did. So, And and Davey Boy is definitely, definitely somebody who belongs in the Hall of Fame. Had a hell of a career. He did. Uh, Everywhere he went, he he had a great run, whether it was in Stampede, WWF, WCW, like when they had no more opponents for Vader, they had mm-hmm. just signed Davey Boy Smith, and like he didn't even have to have a mar- match with Marco Stunt. He just reminiscent of when Hulk Hogan went against Ric Flair in his first match in WCW. 
I, I No Marco stunt match neither. One of my favorite parts about Davy Boy Smith was you think about all the wrestlers who have come in who have had children like second generations and third generations of everything. Like Randy as he's gotten older has looked more and more like Cowboy Bob from like when Cowboy yeah. Bob wrestled at his age and everything. Ted DiBiase Jr., yeah, you can see a little bit. Cody and Dustin, you can see a little bit with Dusty and everything. My God, Davy Boy Smith Jr. almost looks exactly like his father. Like, they right. are the most similar of the father and sons. Because, like, Dominic doesn't even look like either of his fathers, whether it's Eddie or, or Ray. But I just, I thought that was always interesting because he did look like his his father and and it always sticks out for me because like when they were starting to push him when they first brought him up to the main roster and they were like this is the new heart foundation and it's like we got do we have bret hart's kid no we don't have the excellence of execution what about owen no but we got jim neanville nightheart's daughter Daughter. Ooh, all right and we also have davy boy smith's son and, uh, and most importantly, we Bret have Hart's. Bret Hart's paper boy. <laughs> Poor Tyson kid. You know, it be some shit if we actually did find out he was Bret's paper boy. Well, the, I mean, Tyson kid's married into the family, so. I, I think what ended up what it was is probably Tyson kid was probably really good friends with Davy Boy growing up in Canada together and everything. Well, and, and they were both in the Heart Dungeon. Yeah, and they were both in the Heart Dungeon, so. But it's just funny to me because like that joke has been running for like ten years plus now, and it's still it's still funny to me to this day. Yeah, but I, I just thought that was interesting. But I'm glad that he's going to be coming back. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh oh, Davy Davy Boy Junior went against Slapjack. Slapjack is still working, baby. Gotta That's, love it. I thought from what I heard, he's fought Austin Theory. Well, whatever. Uh, but speaking, uh, speaking, of which, speaking of which, Chris Brown, This I think this would be a perfect segue for this. So it came out because there's been a lot of changes in names that have been coming out this week with WWE. When Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox debuted last week on SmackDown, Shotzi Blackheart came out as Shotzi and Tegan Knox was Tegan Knox. We came to find out that now it's going to be Shotzi and Tegan instead of Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. We also found out that Mia Yim will no longer be known as Reckoning. She's going back to her Mia Yim name. And sadly, and very disappointing for me, and I really hope it does not prevent us from continuing on with the trend that we've been going on every single week, but it looks like Slapjack as Slapjack is no more. As Shane Thorne is going back to his original name, Shane Thorne. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I'm very sad by this. Cause now, I, I don't know if I can do the podcast anymore. I, I, I stop. just I, I just stop, don't Jay, know. Jay, stop. It's not it it, it, it It's almost be. like taking away Clash thirteen. Oh, if they ever did that if they got rid of that from Peacock, I would be pissed. Clash thirteen is one of the greatest drizzling shits that's ever been laid in professional wrestling. Next to the Katie Vick storyline and Kazarni's entire run. <laughs> all two weeks. All two weeks. All two no, matches. And all in like seven vignettes. He had he had more time on his vignettes than he had on an actual ring time. He wrestled two matches. And one of them where the he battle was... Battle Royal. Yeah, one of them was a Battle Royal WrestleMania where he got thrown out like second. <laughs> and his only other match was he beat MVP. Poor MVP. His but. run was almost as good as... Uh, 
Colt Cabanas in WWE. Scotty Goldman. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after we get out of that wormhole right there, that that, that was a fun one though. Yeah, it was. Uh, fun. So, uh, so we did have Finn Balor return to the main roster last night. Uh, a, a segment where Sami Zayn came out and was talking about all the conspiracies against her, against him, and then we we we, we had the prince come out and shut his face. I do love the the drop kick into the corner turnbuckle that he does. There's something about it that just looks so freaking mm-hmm. awesome. It's very good. And, and I, I really, I will say this, as much as I love watching Finn Balor and all this stuff, and Nicole and I actually talked about this last night, I'd love to see him ditch the coup de grace as his finishing move. I'm sorry, that can't be doing you any favors to your ankles or your knees doing that move. So the thing that he does to keep it safe instead of like kind of extending his legs mm-hmm. like he kind of keeps them bent mm-hmm. so it doesn't hurt as much but it's like it's the person taking it that probably is not great it's like even if you kind of brace yourself that's still gotta yeah. suck an awful lot it, but you know of similar note as far as how things look and, and even so this was stupid when Randy Orton had the punt you would see Randy Orton line up for the kick, but if you ever noticed, he would wait to do the follow-through with the kick after he actually had made, like, contact with yeah. the person. Like, so he did not blast them. He, he, he basically just nudged them with his, like, the shin of his leg, and then after he went well, through, it, he would it, like, Well, and the thing was, is he hit, would hit them on the muscle. Right. So it would be not as painful. But it would look still look good. The one person who took that and said, "Don't let up on me, or I'm gonna be pissed." Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, when they were setting up that angle for Triple H and Randy Orton at WrestleMania, yeah. and, and like, you saw Vince's head like mm-hmm. get pummeled. So I, I will that say, crazy motherfucker. Yeah, I will say that about Vince McMahon. As much as he has ruined the product of professional wrestling over the last few years nobody will want to take a freaking bump as bad as he does as good as he does because i always think of like when he was doing that thing where they were feuding with kevin owens and he was going on there and he went to talk to kevin owens on smackdown and kevin owens got so pissed off that he headbutted vince and vince started bleeding like it's like that's the shit you think of and you see like vince is crazy enough to do it and vince told him also told owens don't hold back Lay it in. Yes. And, and that's just how, how Vince is. I mean, his first match was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. The dude broke his tailbone. The dude had such a tism at the 2005 Royal Rumble that he tore both his quads almost simultaneously. Oh, oh, he tore one, and then he was trying to Vince McMahon macho himself like, I can stand up, and then tore the other one for, for his efforts. That, that is such a bizarre thing that happened. I, I still, I will never forget that as long as I live. Like how... <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. How crazy it was that he tore both of his quads. Like, it's crazy enough to tear one. You can't, you tear both? Man. But, crazy motherfucker, tough as fucking nails. But, it but, was, yeah, it's Vince McMahon. Right. So... Speaking of last night, I thought they did something on SmackDown that really stood out for me. 
They uh, so they've been doing a. Now, mind you, I love what they are doing with Otis Dosevich right now. I know yeah. that you're feeling the same way because yes. you and I are huge Dozer fans. Yeah. He's really the unofficial wrestler of the FM Marks podcast, if you think about it, the way we talk about him. Right. But last night, because jack. of the fact that he... Yeah, in Slapjack too, yes. Um, so they're continuing on. After he ran through the Street Profits and looked really good doing it, they, they set him up last night for a match, and they put him up against Cesaro. And they said, okay, this is interesting, because Cesaro, not too long ago, was in the main event picture fighting for the Universal Championship against Roman great Reigns. Match. And had a great match. And then they put him up against Cesaro. Or I mean, not against, Seth Rollins. Against, like it, he went from Seth Rollins yeah. to Roman Reigns back to Seth Rollins. And had he's had great matches with Seth Rollins. Like not not surprisingly, because the two of them are just damn good. And they've wrestled each other forever. Forever. Now yes. it's been a while since they wrestled, but it's like you know, it, it's like riding a you, bike. Right. You, you've had that dance partner a long time before. You're not going to forget. And they've only gotten better, yeah. as far as telling a story in mm-hmm. ring. They, you know, I, I would say, oh, like, they're not that old, so, like, they haven't lost some of that skill of youth. Right. Uh, but, you know, they're certainly probably not as fast as they used to be. Right. But as far as knowing how to tell the story in the ring, I mean, yeah, two the Undertaker best. has always said, like, on slow the F down. Or Brock Lesnar after he punched Braun Strowman uh, dur- during the triple threat match, it, or was it a, a fatal four-way at Royal Rumble a few years back? Triple Slow threat. the fuck down. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know what? The audience needs to register what the hell's happened. If you're right. moving so fast, you might ooh and ah them, but you're not going to pull them into what you're doing. Now, my whole thinking is, because kind of like what they did with Dewdrop and um, uh, Eva. Eva Marie when, she, when they first got up, and they were looking like they were going to do Asuka versus, and it was Asuka and Naomi versus Dewdrop and Eva Marie. And I said, and I, and I kept thinking to myself, do not squash Asuka. She deserves better than to get squashed. And last night, I thought the same thing with Cesaro. I said, I, I, at first, like the first thought of it, I was like, oh, God. I'm like, they're going to do this to poor Cesaro. And I was like, no. I'm like, let me look at it from a different light. You know, something that I don't typically do. They're putting Otis in the ring with Cesaro. That's a good thing for Otis. Now, they didn't really have the world's longest match, but Otis is getting a lot better in the ring. Well, and it wasn't just that, that they had that moment. This feud is going to continue, and the fact that Otis looked extremely strong against a dude who was main eventing in pay-per-view two months ago. And, and I like the fact that Otis attacked him before the match, and Cesaro was using that to his, you know, to his advantage for going out there and selling it and everything, and they had a pretty decent match. Cesaro did get the victory via disqualification because Chad Gable got into the ring and German suplexed. Um, but Cesaro. having him do the Vader bomb and all, uh, having Otis do the Vader bomb and do all the nefarious stuff after Afterwards. the match just, you know, again, brings it, forward how much you know like I, I, i'm completely on board with otis they botched otis for a year and a half they have now figured out a lane for otis to move up but it's just like how we were talking about paul Heyman. paul Heyman, you know had an influence on what they're doing with otis and i could I, i'll tell you right now paul Heyman really needs to get more credit than he deserves and i'll tell you right now otis this heel otis i'm um, 
More, the more I see it, the more I'm enjoying Gil Otis. One thing I'll say also for Otis right here is, it, I think it was about a year ago, maybe a little bit less, there were, there were reports out there about WWE sending specific talent down to the Performance Center to work on things. And people thought of it as something of like... A slight. A slight, a demotion, or mm-hmm. what have you. And when people asked Otis about it, he was like, when the boss says that I have something I need to work on, as a performer, I take that to heart, and I go there and I work on it. Mm -hmm. You know, the other folks that got sent down, one of which was Keith Lee, who we have not seen since, what, March? Yep. And keeps on teasing that something's going to happen. You, You know... Like, I think the fact that Otis willingly went down there and was, like, going, you know, I'm coming down here to learn because I know I have things I need to improve. I think the fact that he was contrite about it and, like, w- like willing mm-hmm. to do it and not, like, I'm better than this. Right. I think that probably made Vince, like, going, hey, that's good shit, pal. I like this pal. dude. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which... Vince McMahon, when he went to the Performance Center a couple of weeks ago, had a first-hand look at all the talent down in NXT. You know, he and Triple H have, like, the TV screen where they could watch in on practice sessions and watch wrestlers in the ring, but there's something different about actually being there. So, John Laronitis, John Laronitis, uh, and... Uh, Vince McMahon and I want to say uh, Bruce Pritchard all went down to the Performance Center watching the various talent, and that's why we are seeing the people we're seeing now showing up on the main roster. There were certain people they liked, and one of which is Aaliyah, who apparently is getting called up to the main roster, but that's also why we saw Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose. So. It, it, it appears that we will be getting a trade because after Mandy Rose appeared on NXT on Wednesday, it came out that she was getting traded to NXT and that Aaliyah would be the one that's going up to the main roster in exchange for Mandy Rose. I have nothing against Aaliyah, but it like from the TV perspective, it, it doesn't seem like she has progressed much. I don't know if it's just because that's all we get to see on the TV. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see how hard she's working behind the scenes. We don't get to see other things that, what whether it's uh, Prince Albert there or, or Triple H or, or Shawn Michaels sees by working with them mm-hmm. day to day to day to day. But, you know, she doesn't look like she's improved. But Vince McMahon saw something that said, I need to call this woman up to the main roster. No, 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 don't get it twisted. She's always been a really good performer in the ring. I enjoyed watching her matches. She's not, she doesn't really make too many mistakes. She's really good at what she does. She just, for me, she doesn't have a character. She's kind of like what Seth Rollins was for us a couple years ago before he had the Messiah character to the point where now he's got the character he is now and now he's he's the goat again. Well, yeah. But, so speaking of, well, Finish with that, and but I'll like, get into Rollins. So, but like for me, it, it's just it's kind of like a head scratcher that she was the one that got called up to the main roster because that girl's been down at NXT longer than I've been in Virginia. Well, she's also like twenty five years old. Yes, I understand that she's still so she's still young. super young. Yeah, but she's been training for a, a while. And hey, you know, 
it's all about opportunities. And if you take, if you make the most of your opportunities when they are presented to you, you have the chance to be successful. And this is an opportunity for her. And I really hope that she does something with it and develops into something. Well, I hope that she is more like Alexa Bliss and Elias, who didn't really have great runs in NXT. Carmella too. Uh, but got to the main roster and just was like a, a freaking moth into a butterfly yep. or a caterpillar into a butterfly. Um, but uh, hitting on Seth Rollins there, you want to talk about character building. One of my favorite parts specifically last night of the little, little bit bigger uh, of a thing between Rollins and Edge last night was Rollins actually bringing up what happened seven years ago when Edge was, I think, guest host of Raw for that week, yep. and the authority had been out of control for several months at that point because Team Cena uh, beat Team Authority at Survivor Series, and the only person who could reinsert the authority was John Cena. But Edge being there that night, Rollins ended up telling Cena, I'm going to break Edge's neck. If you don't reinsert the authority and force Cena's hand to bring back the authority, saving Edge, but like Rollins talking about, I should have broken your neck seven years ago. It's like going, brilliant. Bring in the past stuff. And they've been doing a better job lately mm -hmm. of playing that into the storyline. It almost seems like, you know, the performers are like, oh, I had this thing with this character years ago where a couple years back it seemed like they would just ignore stuff that had happened years before. Well, it kind of it goes like what happened like a few months ago with this whole thing with The Fiend where they found out that The Fiend was going after people that had wronged him in the past and that's why he's getting his retribution on these people. And CM Punk came out and said to The Fiend, he tweeted at The Fiend and was like, I know what I did a few years ago and I'm sorry for it. Please don't take out your... your you know, take out your frustrations on me and come after me. And it was because when C when CM Punk was in charge of the Nexus, he had Husky Harris and <laughs> hit him with a freaking kendo stick. And I love the fact that Bray Wyatt came out and said, I'm not going to attack you for Brody. And I was like, all right, that's a really nice yeah. caveat and all that stuff. And I thought that was really well put together where stuff that happened many years ago they brought up and put into the storyline later, because that's kind of like what they did with him. It helped build his storyline with Randy Orton, because they had their match at WrestleMania a few years ago, which yeah. was a botch with the stupid fucking bugs. Mm. And, like, you yeah, know... Yeah, he and Randy Orton you know, can't he had his, anymore. He had his yeah, WrestleMania match at, against John Cena in his debut at WrestleMania, and that got rectified by having the Firefly Funhouse with Cena. They've been, like, you, like yeah. Jay said, they've been doing a much better job as of late bringing back old shit that happened years ago and implementing it now. It wouldn't surprise me if we ended up getting, like, like if Dominic and Ray, that's how they kind of, like, set them up to have their feud. Because eventually that's what it looks like, the, the final resolution in that. It should. And, they should have a WrestleMania match. I don't know if that's specifically what Ray wants for his final match. I'm right. going to say he probably does. Yeah. His last match against his son, whether it's a mask match or... or uh, or a mask versus career. Yeah. Or I don't. I, I don't know. I and don't just know. imagine, like, if Dominic comes out there and, and goes to his to Ray and goes, "You're not Nothing even my real, real father. father." 
Viva la raza, or I lie, I cheat, and I steal, whatever it is, that place is going to go nuts. Because, like, that's the stuff that's a lost art that we have lost over the years in professional wrestling. I really am glad that they're bringing back more now. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we did talk about Shotzi and Tegan last, and, you know, they debuted like a week ago. And they went against the tag team champions, and guess what? They went against the women's tag team champions again. And guess what? What's that, Jay? They won again. No. Now, normally, after you win a non-title match, you automatically get a title match the next time, but apparently this time was not the case. Uh... uh, uh... What was even more interesting uh, about it is the way that the SmackDown women's division has kind of unfolded. Yes, they just got a returning Zelina Vega. And yes, they just called up Tegan and Shotzi. And yes, we're getting Tony Storm to debut on SmackDown next week. Um, Aaliyah's coming, I, th- but, I believe, to Raw. But, but Yes, and, and but what really gets me is, so with the, the women's money in the bank, how Raw did it and how SmackDown did it for qualifying matches for both the men's and the women's was kind of different because they gave us two qualifying matches that were tag team matches where if one team wins, both people are in the thing. And then on SmackDown, they were just like, hey, you know what? Carmella, you were in a Money in the Bank match, so here you go. You get automatically put in. Which, to be fair, I'm not mad because I've always said like with the Royal Rumble, like former Royal Rumble winners should be treated like the Masters in golf. Where if you're a former Masters winner, you automatically get to perform at the Masters for the rest of your life. And I think I, and I feel like that's what they should do with the, at least the Royal Rumble. But if they did something like that with the money in the bank, like, all right, Asuka already won it once. You know, Carmella won it. Alexa Bliss won it. They should automatically be in there if they want. And uh, what's his name? If I've got two hands. Oh, James Ellsworth. James Ellsworth yes. should be allowed into the woman's right. uh, money in the bank match since he won technically the first one. Correct. So I had no problem with, like, Carmella getting in that way, but, like, Zelina Vega, who's on a long vacation, and, like, they're dragging that out with her and Liv Morgan, and it's looking like they're going to probably be the rivalry after uh, Money in the Bank going forward. And that reminds me, a few weeks ago, and I, we discussed this on the podcast, when they brought Zelina Vega back, and they had... Uh, Liv Morgan. Uh, not Liv Morgan. Sonya uh, Deville. Sonya Deville. Bring her out, say, hey... Uh, we've got Zelina Vega, she's in Money in the Bank. They should have said, we negotiated to bring Zelina Vega back. And part of that negotiation meant that she is in the Money in the Bank match. Then you could explain away why somebody who won when she was on the main roster wrestled like two matches. Yep. Being in it, and like, it works better storyline-wise than just you know, an authority figure saying, oh, you're in the match. Mm-hmm. Did, did you earn it? Did you go against Marco Stunt? And what really killed me was, like, with the last two spots, they were just non, like, there's no, like, rhyme or reason behind it, but they're like, oh, by the way, Natty Neidhart is now the third participant in the Money in the Bank. And it's like, yeah, I kind of get it, because they had Carmella, they needed somebody to replace Bailey because she had that freak injury, yeah. and now she's out of the freaking match for the women's title. So obviously Carmella made sense because her and uh, um, Bailey are really close, so it would be an easy thing for 
sure. um, Bianca Belair to transition into their next opponent. So obviously Natty getting in there. But then they just threw Tamina in there just like, hey, fuck it, why not? We'll put the women's tag team champions, who, by the way, just lost two weeks in a row. And then why didn't... If that and was no, the case, by the way, not only that, but Natty lost a singles match. And... and, and, and why Why didn't they have them put their spots in the freaking Money in the Bank on the line? At least that way Shotzi and, and Tegan could have had a reason to... Right, have to, another match. Yeah, so I, I just... I, the way that they handled booking the women's Money in the Bank has <laughs> just been terrible. And I get it, you had an unfortunate circumstance that had occurred with Bailey getting hurt. Sure. So your best solution was to move one of the people from the Money in the Bank to fight Bianca instead for the title. And then you take it off of the pay-per-view and put it on last night instead. And I'm like... What the fuck are you doing? Uh, the, the the only thing I think I could say for, for all that they've been doing lately is that th- those storylines have been garbage. Yes. And they, they need to figure out something better for that. I mean, e- even when they had Bailey and Bianca, it's like, going, all right, it feels like this story's done, and it's like going... Wait, wait. We're gonna do it for another couple months. Same thing happened with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. It's like, yep. and you know, I'm not complaining about the matches that we got with Drew and Bobby Lashley because they were all solid matches. I like big men matches where, you know, they're really laying it in. They're, they're good solid matches. Uh, you know, Bianca and Bailey, good solid matches. Yep. I'm not gonna complain about the matches themselves, but it's like, it feels like this feud should be over. Yeah, I agree. So, but, you know, all in all, they did end up getting something right, which is having Liv Morgan get into the match. I think they always planned to get her into this match. And then her having that moment last night, you know, specifically that tag team match was actually just there to set up for the women's money in the bank match more than anything. You know, when Zelina and, and Liv started beating each other up, you know, from the commentary desk and then all sorts of hell breaks loose. But then when you have Liv in the middle of the ring, like mm-hmm. having her shining moment and the crowd was going crazy for her. Oh, she's, yeah. So, you know, the pandemic era has done wonders for Liv Morgan. Yes. Uh, good for her. She's worked her tail off. When she first came up, you're like, eh. You she know, was, and when... She was quasi-decent in the ring when she first got called up from NXT. She has gotten so much better in the ring since... Well, and moment. it was after that Charlotte Flair match. Yep. When she said she's going away for a little while. But that Charlotte match really showcased her talent in yeah. the ring. And it was the first time she'd really been given a mic to cut. Right. promo and it was a good promo so i like that and like even when they had their uh what was it, the elimination chamber for the tag team women's tag team titles she really showed up for that one too and i was very impressed with her performance in that she just keeps the way that she performs each and every week i get i get more and more impressed with the way that she is working and i really 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 hope that she wins tomorrow i really do yeah because she deserves it all right jessica's got all sorts of predictions for money in the bank We'll get to ours shortly, but yeah. uh, she's saying Big E wins on the men's side and Liv Morgan on the women's side. Uh, she thinks that Seth Rollins is going to interfere in the Edge-Roman match, and uh, that'll 
have the Rollins-Edge feud be a thing. Uh, and Big E cashes in on Lashley to get back at him for what what he's done to Kofi and Xavier. I can see that. I, interesting I, theory. But I, I know the brainless one has some tinfoil hat stuff oh, that I got he's a working real on. Real good tinfoil hat theory for tomorrow. So, a really good one. Yeah. So, one of my favorite things. This is one of those things I think people either will love or hate it. I happen to freaking love it. Baron Corbin looking like a bum, disheveled. And then they have uh, CorbinFund.com. He's got a kid, he's got a wife, and, and he can't feel... I'm going to have to start living... If this is getting any better, I'm going to have to live with my in-laws. And I'm like, bro. Uh, like, like, I know it's corny. And, and, and like, for whatever reason, I freaking love it. I love it. I love the stain on the white shirt he was wearing. Like, he really fucking tried his damnedest. Did he... Was I mean, was that t- from his time at Olive Garden, though? I think it was the same shirt he was wearing when he was still... Um, when you're here, you're family, Corbin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It was good stuff. Such good shit, but, uh, you know, we had Seth Rollins standing tall, you know, as far as, like, when you're talking about hyping for, like, money in the bank, Rollins stood tall, and th- there are so, so many things they could do with Rollins moving forward as far as what his next move is and what the next thing he can do is so all right so we'll, we'll get into uh some stuff on raw this week uh we did have uh the goat sheamus with his mask i think this was the officially the blow off to everything that he had been doing with humberto carrillo carrillo is a, a heck of a hand in the ring he needs more time to develop his character uh but he hasn't done nothing but impress me with his in-ring work outside of the fact that he busted Sheamus's nose. And, you know, I bet Sheamus probably was pissed off immediately, but, you know, Sheamus is a tough dude and like, going, all right, all right, fella, I'll give you a receipt for that. Yeah, he probably did. But this is now pointing towards Damian Priest. Damian Priest is going to be the next challenger for the U.S. title, and I think the fella may be relinquishing the title. Probably. Fairly soon. Uh, it's not going to happen on the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. But I like how with Sheamus, it, I forget who it was. It was Carrillo and, and somebody Ricochet. else. And Ricochet going for the U.S. title. They continually have new people coming up to take on Sheamus. It's not like, you know, with Roman Reigns, it's like, he's beaten everybody. Who's left? Everybody. You know, they could have done a better job with Big E, and they could have had Big E go against Roman Reigns. Uh, but they botched that. They botched that with the Alistair, a.k.a. Malachi, Malachi Black storyline. There are several different ways they could have done that, but, you know, Vince McMahon making the decision that he did after they decide that they're going to have do do vignettes and start that feud and, like, oh, oh, let's pull the rug out from not only Alistair Black, but we're also going to pull the rug out from Big E. And, oh, by the way, we... We're going to put him on TV, but we really got nothing for him, so let's have him keep going with Apollo Crews. Yeah, why the fuck not? 
again, n not disappointed in the matches I get from those guys, but storyline-wise, they should have had their closeout. Yes, because so, you don't want to overcook stuff because that's what WWE is notorious for, and it's just going to draw people away from the product. Uh, so, all, all that being said, they keep on having new opponents for Sheamus. I'm glad that they have Damian Priest lined up for this. He did great stuff, obviously, with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. I've uh, been dealing with a little bit of injuries with his back lately. Mm -hmm. But with, you know, his age, you know, he's still got years left to wrestle. But, you know, if you want to have the audience see him as something, you've got to make him feel legit, like, right now. So, yeah. And to go on to that a little bit, it's kind of like what they did with the Money in the Bank ladder match, if you think about it. Because John Morrison never won a championship. Ricochet never won the big championship. Um, who am I forgetting that was on the, 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 the um, uh, Matt Riddle has never won a major championship. Yes, obviously Drew McIntyre is was just in the main event picture. So you had to have that one guy with the with the, the brings the the. Well, it's uh, like when they would bring Kane into a match. Yeah. Like the Money in the Bank, Kane is not the high flyer, but he's somebody that you're scared of because. He's a big monster. But like, it's, it's good to see so many people who are getting an opportunity to win their first championship. Because, yes, I know Kevin Owens is a former Universal Champion, but he's still somebody like, hey, if he wins it, great. You know, obviously, Seth Rollins has won Money in the Bank before, and he's a multiple-time world champion and everything. And it's he, him and him and McIntyre are like the, 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 the workhorses, the, the big-name guys who have went on to main event yeah. and the top-tier guys. Obviously, Kevin Owens could be in that conversation. Nakamura has never won the championship, and neither has uh, Big E. So it's, it's great to see five guys getting opportunities to be in the Money in the Bank who had never won the championship. And, and that's the right way of doing it. And, and uh, speaking of five guys, always order the little burger. You get the big burger, you're just going to be overstuffed. What's that? What's overstuffed? I don't have that problem. You don't have that problem when you go to five guys? No. Jay, you're talking to somebody. If I, have the, if I get the little burger, I'm only doing it because I'm getting a hot dog with it. Yeah. With the fries. Okay. That's the thing you got to do about, uh, about that. You get the, the second smallest fry... Because the little one is just not enough. So if you get the, it's like whatever, the the second biggest fry, you get that. Because they always give you like 8 million fries on top of your fries and fries and fries. Uh, Chris Brown, as far as Seth Rollins' wardrobe, the fact that I bring it up many weeks and you're bringing it up right now means it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Oh God, it's yes. supposed to be obnoxious, irritating, and make you think, who the hell is dressing this man? I'm going to say that at some point he's going to reveal that his child with Becky Lynch is. Probably, like, put something up, like, which one do you want Dada to have, this one or this one? Yeah. And, and, and they're probably both terrible choices, but he comes up with the, like... Yeah. Yeah? And speaking of which... Allegedly, the man will be returning possibly as early as tomorrow night. Possibly. She's going to be in attendance for Money in the Bank. Whether or not she makes an appearance in the ring or in a segment or whatever the hell it is is yet to be determined. But Becky Lynch will be in the building in, I think, Fort Worth, Texas. I think they're doing it tomorrow. Some, somewhere. Somewhere in Texas. 
It's not Dallas. It's not Tuesday in Texas. And it's not Houston. It's not Corpus Christi where the Clash of the Champions where uh, me and Mark Callis was part of the skyscrapers and was actually fearing for his life after he and Dan Spivey went against the Road Warriors in a street fight. He, like, he was getting ready to have a fight with the Road Warriors after that. If you watch the Broken Skull Sessions, he, he, he talks about that specifically. And Spivey's like, nah, don't worry about it. And, like, uh, apparently, a- a- after all that, Road Warriors came into their dressing room and, like, great angle, man. Because they were looking forward to, at that point, selling Wrestle War 90. Because they were going to have another street fight. By the way, that street fight, which ended up being good, but Dan Spivey was so pissed off at WCW that he left. And we got a guy named the Executioner, a.k.a. Uh, mean Mike Enos, a.k.a. one of the uh, Bloom Brothers, mm-hmm. or, or not Bloom Brothers, uh, uh, the Beverly Bro- one of the Beverly Brothers, Bar- under Bar- a mask to, to uh, be part of the skyscrapers, but... It, it was funny seeing a guy that was like, you know, six one, six two, part of the skyscrapers. Uh, but they had a heck of a, a, a Chicago street fight at uh, Wrestle War 90. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that was definitely a far loop out. But anyway, it's, it's Corpus okay. Christi. As somebody who goes on these wild tangents that have nothing to do with exactly what we were talking about, it's exciting and, and acceptable for you to go off the rails a little bit because, you know what? Uh, it doesn't have to always be me. <laughs> because I, I, I'm the one that has the freaking, like, I'm the squirrel. So. Yeah. All right, so uh, Monday Night Raw. We kicked has, off the show. I love Xavier Woods. I love the New Day. I love what they've done. I don't love the fact that Xavier Woods beat the WWE champion. I will say this, though, because I am one of those ones that if it leads to something going in the right direction, that I'm on board with it. The fact that Bobby Lashley has been distracted. Because of the models. Because of the models, since basically WrestleMania. And Woods getting the victory on him by a, because of a distraction, that it caused Bobby Lashley to have a slight tism. <clears throat> and Bobby <throat> Lashley's like, all right, now it's it's got to, now we got to take this personal and we gotta make we gotta take this back more seriously. to business it's all about being back in business and that was I'm, a large couch that he just like <clears throat> yeah like nothing and i'm gonna tell you right now the fact that he lost the woods the way he did and the fact that it's like now he's like all right now it's not about the women and all this stuff now it's about me kicking ass and doing all this stuff i am actually okay with him losing to woods the way he did Yes, I understand that a champion losing to a This is not the first time he's lost in a non-title match. He lost to your Kofi main, Kingston recently, too. You, your main champion should not... One of your main champions should not be losing in non-title matches, for one. And two, should not lose multiple times. You don't see Roman Reigns taking L's, right? No. Bobby Lashley is supposed to be an ass-kicker who doesn't lose. Now, you could say, oh, it's because of the distraction of the models. And, you know, MVP trying to do this, that, and the other thing. You could try to play that as part of the storyline, but, like, Bobby Lashley should not be losing. Agreed. So, even so, I guess it sets up for uh, Money in the Bank, 
thinking maybe uh, Lashley's distracted and we'll, we'll see if Kofi Kingston can pull this out. But you know, I know, and the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock says, Bobby Lashley ain't losing tomorrow night because Bobby Lashley has a date with a WWE Hall of Famer at SummerSlam. Playa. And there ain't a damn thing you could do about it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah! Well. But, uh, yeah, I... I, I, I wait, we'll, we'll, when we get to the predictions, you'll... Yeah? Yeah! All right, so then we had a fatal four-way where uh, it was uh, Nikki, Ash, Asuka, Naomi, and Alexa. Nikki, Ash wins! I do love that she, like, gets all crazy when she wins. She is so fantastic, and I'm glad that she's getting this opportunity because she deserves it. She really does. Uh, but one thing that kind of fed into this is we had Ava Marie and Dewdrop show up in the middle of the match, and one thing that happened earlier is there was uh, Alexa's Alexa playground. With, with Dewdrop and, and Ava Marie. And Alexa kept on, I like your name. And, and like you could tell, like, hey, I like Dewdrop. Yeah. And Ava Marie was like, going, hey, it's all about me. It's all about me. Sends Dewdrop away. And Alexa, like when Dewdrop and Ava Marie showed up, like. Yeah. It, oh, it was like it little was things wonderful. like that are great. It, it was very well put together. And then there was a point where Ava Marie told Dewdrop to take Alexa Bliss and dump her on the other side of the barricade. And then when Ava Marie was looking for her, she couldn't find her. She was like, where did she go? And it was like, it all played into the story. And, and it was so perfectly put together. One of my favorite things about what happened with that is how the under, how the internet still remains undefeated. When Eva Marie was looking on the other side, somebody actually had a picture with the caption, Eva Marie looking for the talent that she doesn't have. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, that's some funny shit right there. That's such good shit. All right. So, but uh, Nikki wins this. Yep. I don't think this means anything big for her as far as money in the bank. But it's nice to see that after all the hard work that she's put in, being a team player, whether it was with Alexa Bliss or other people along, she has been a good soldier for for WWE. I would say, I mean, Natty's still there, but she's almost like Natalia. And like, hey, if you want somebody to look good, put them in the ring with Nikki Cross. And there you go. Yep. So She's going to have a hell of a career for herself once her wrestling career is over, because I could... Like, you and I were talking about how her being a trainer would be a great idea, and I think that would be a good move for her once her wrestling career is dwindling down. Sure. All right, so then we had the Raw Tag Team Champions facing off uh, in singles matches. They will be facing the Viking Raiders at Money in the Bank, but we had Ivar going against AJ Styles, and we had Omos going against uh, Eric. Uh, AJ actually lost to Ivar. Uh, and, and, you know, AJ Styles doesn't have a bad match. So, no. uh, so this was a, a, a solid match. But, you know, you want to make it seem like your tag team champions are vulnerable. This is the way you could do it without them having to lose a non-title match. Yep. Without losing a non-title match. Yeah! Uh, but then we had Omas absolutely obliterate Eric. And AJ Styles, like, raising his arm, trying to raise Omas's arm when, you know, AJ's like a, I think he might be about, you know, our height. 
And you got Omos, who's like 7'3". So, all, all I can tell you is this was a solid setup for what's mm-hmm. going to be a tag team match, you know, tomorrow night. It's going to be a pretty solid one, too. And we'll... They, I think booking-wise, they've done a great job with Omos, a guy who's green. You put him with AJ frickin' Styles. What? Possibly still the best performer in the world. Agreed. As far as in-ring work, he's a solid character, you know. Fastest person to accomplish the Grand Slam in WWE history. So, good stuff for that. Uh, we did have Rhea Ripley going against Natty Neidhart. Rhea defeated Natty, you know, in, in a fairly quick match, but this was all set up so Charlotte could attack Rhea mm-hmm. and... You know, she put the figure four on Rhea outside the ring. You know, good visual. Keep keep this thing rolling. And I have a sneaking suspicion about what's going to happen with this feud come tomorrow. Uh, but we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Uh, but, you know, setting up for tomorrow and good for them for, like, having something better than what they've done for the women's Money in the Bank match. Agreed. All right, so we had Ricochet versus John Morrison in a Falls Count Anywhere match. John Morrison, you know, his persona is, you know, they, they, they used to be like the Hollywood, two dudes from Hollywood who were kind of prima donnas. Mm-hmm. And you don't picture him as being this tough guy, but, and, you know, with the way they dress kind of glitzy, like, again, you don't perceive them as tough. John Morrison's a tough son of a bitch. Yes, if you watched his matches when he left WWE, whether it was on Impact Wrestling, whether it was in Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground like anywhere he went, he had great matches and he had some hellacious matches putting his body on the line and, and, and being one of the best performers in the world, bar none, and he still performs at a super high level. You put him in a Falls Count Anywhere match against Ricochet, it's Ooh, going to have, be a great match. And they have history together because they have wrestled against each other in Lucha Underground because when Ricochet and John Morrison were there, Prince Ricochet Puma. was Prince Puma. And Prince Puma and John Morrison had great matches down For the there. title. Yes. And it's. And I'm glad to see them both getting this opportunity. And that, you know, and it, obviously with a Falls Count Anywhere match, you know you're going to get the best side of the two of them. And it's definitely going to help build towards the Money in the Bank match for tomorrow night. But you had uh, stuff in this with, uh, I think it was uh, Riddle and, and Miz. Miz in the wheelchair. and mm-hmm. I enjoy the comedic little bits of ca- comedy. It's certainly better than effing zombies. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah? So, but... You know, great match between two incredible performers. And I'm looking for both of them to do something incredibly stupid tomorrow to entertain us. Oh, agreed. So. So we had a continuation of the Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre storyline. Jinder said he accidentally broke Drew's sword. To which Drew said, oh, by the way, that was a replica that I used. Fooled you! And then Drew uh, took uh, the Indian badass's motorcycle and destroyed it. 
it looked okay. But, like, when he's taking off, like, one little piece at a time and, like, sound-wise, it sounded impressive when McIntyre's throwing stuff around, but it's like, it could have been better. But I, I, I also love the fact this is almost, not quite, almost as great as Jinder Mahal winning the 24-7 title in wrestling tights on a golf course. Why would you ride your motorcycle and just randomly park it in a hallway backstage? Yep. But Jinder Mahal likes to do random things like that. Jinder wrestling does. course. A, a, a golf course with your wrestling tights. Wrestling tights. That'd be like if, like... Remember? They didn't kick them off. Which is funny, because, like, could you Must imagine... Must have been an exclusive club. <laughs> See, I was going to make, I was gonna make a, a Caddyshack reference, but I'm like, nah, I'd probably get in trouble, because... Yeah! 2021. Um, but it, could you imagine, like, back in the day, remember when the, one of the most iconic moments was when Steve Austin and Booker T brawled inside the supermarket? Oh, yeah. That would have been like if one of them actually dressed up in wrestling gear at the supermarket. You're like, oh, you know some kind of stupid shit's about to go down. But it worked oh, out because yeah. we got to clean up in aisle uh, four. What? Yeah. Tremendous. Uh, and you touched on it before, but we ended Monday Night Raw with Bobby Lashley absolutely obliterating the VIP lounge, more or less calling out MVP, not saying that they're going to split up, but said, we need to get back to business. And just absolutely destroyed. And, and, and not only get back into business, but it might hurt. Right, and and, and I, I mean MVP didn't get off clean, but mm -hmm. like MVP is still going to be with Bobby Lashley. Mm -hmm. Lashley just needed to uh, assert his uh, dominance with authority. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, NXT this week, we'll go over a couple of things. They started uh, a thing this week called the NXT Breakout Tournament. Uh, we had uh, Duke Hudson going against Akamen Euro, I believe it's how it's pronounced. It's, it sounds like something you order at a Greek restaurant. Right. Uh, so uh, Duke Hudson... Looked good, by the uh, way. He... Uh, and, and he is the former uh, Brendan Vink. Okay. I've heard of Brandon Vink. I remember Van Brandon Vink. So uh, Duke Hudson goes over in this match, gets into the next round. I think, you, you know, we've he, talked about some of these tournaments they've done before and how many people have gone on to sign and had successful runs, whether it's on NXT or or, or elsewhere, to, to build up the talent pool. And with the fact that the main roster is pulling so much from NXT right now, you know, it's not a bad idea to showcase newer people and get some newer storylines and, and they did the same thing the last time they had the futures thing because they called up a whole bunch of people from nxt to go to the main roster and then they had a tournament of the futures and that future stars tournament if you think about it think who came from that cameron grimes isaiah swartz scott you had bronson reed dexter loomis angel garza five massive names that come from that swartz scott's the north american champion bronson so reed is four of those names played prominently into the show this week where Santos Escobar had a match against Dexter Loomis. I was a little pissed off because I'm like, if if, if 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 Escobar goes over on, on Dexter Loomis, I'm going to be pissed because I'm like, I love the way that they've been booking Dexter Loomis of late. So him taking a loss like that, it, it bothered me. But what we got from that was... Uh, I say uh, a swerve uh, Scott and hit row. Had their little exchange with Santos Escobar, which I love when you can double plant seeds to different storylines 
going forward, as it looks like it's going to be Swerve Scott and Santos Escobar with, you know, uh, uh, Plaza del Azteca uh, and, and, and whatever uh, I say. Legado is, del Fantasma. Legado del Fantasma and uh, the Hit Row. And that's got, that's, I, I'm on board with that. But we also got, um, uh, oh shoot, Indy Hartwell came out and tried to save Dexter Loomis and carry him out, and she busted her ass. And I, I love that they did that because, like I said, when you're building two separate storylines from one match, perfect. Yeah. That's brilliant booking, and they get it right in NXT. And when it comes to that, I, I appreciated the fact that they didn't get physical. Yes, agreed. Right off, it, it's. Yeah, we're going to have some words with you and then yeah. the words are going to boil over and we're going to we're going to kick the crap out of each other and of similar ilk that we had uh Saray going against Gigi Dolan in a match. Uh the former Priscilla Kelly. Uh there was this part in this match where like Saray like did this kick in the face mm-hmm. where like I don't know if it was the cell job or like it legit like connected that much, but holy crap, it looked like it sucked. Yeah. But in the middle of this match, similar to the thing with, with Hit Row, we had Mandy Rose come out in the middle of it. She didn't get physical, but she made her presence known to the folks in the match. So I think Saray and Mandy Rose are going to have. Something happened in the future. Something's happening. Exactly. Another thing that we had gotten on NXT was, so when we finally had the rematch between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes, if Cameron Grimes had lost to LA Knight, that he was going to be the butler. butler. Well, LA Knight did go over again on Cameron Grimes, so we finally got Cameron Grimes the butler. And some of the stuff that he had him do and everything was just, it was it was different. And I'll tell you right now. He had him trim up the beard and had yes, him he did. Tr- he, uh, cut his I, hair. I, I love the fact that where L.A. Knight thought that he was going to be like getting the better of Cameron Grimes. And Cameron Grimes was like, man, I look terrific. Now I look like I can go straight to the moon. And I, I think this is great because obviously the two of them have a history together working when they were in Impact yeah. a few years back. L.A. Knight is a fucking star. I wish he was Eli Drake still. I'm still going to, like, for me, this is still the worst name change of all the name changes in the history of mankind. I'm sorry. This one bothers me the most. Because LA Knight is a stupid name, and Eli Drake could be a star and a stud for WWE. But But, what they did, the two of them did the best that they did with this. And I... He had him mow the lawn with a push push mower. mower. Yep. Uh... But then th- th- there was a point where, like, he had a whole bunch of other stuff for him to do. But Cameron Grimes, who also has money from playing the stock market, mm-hmm. ended up hiring people and delegating to do all the stuff while Cameron Grimes was sitting there in L.A. Knight's pool, relaxing and enjoying himself. Yes. So I think it's an interesting way that they're telling this story, continuing this story. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to see what they do next. This is not, you know, a main event storyline. Right. But it's a storyline nonetheless that gets both these guys TV time. And honestly, with the way they're playing it, it helps get both of them over. Yep, I agree. So, so Bronson Reed, it seemed like 
you had him lose the North American title really quickly after he won it. He had some matches up on the main roster for dark matches or on main event. And it's like, he, he must be going up to the main roster. It fe- he still may, but he was on the show and he called out Adam Cole, baby. And... Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take this. Yes. Bronson Reed is a heck of a talent in the ring. I, I think he could have cut a bit better of a promo, shown a little bit more tenacity with what he said and how he said it. Overall, though, an okay promo, but takes him against a main event player. Against, like, Karrion Cross is the champion. Adam Cole is the the man. Yep. So that can do nothing but elevate Bronson Reed. Agreed. 100% agree. And to work with Adam Cole is a great honor because Adam Cole is, like you said, he's the man, and it's going to help put eyeballs on the screen if you're going up against Cole and you yep. really want to develop yourself as a star here in WWE or NXT or whatever you want to call it. And uh, of, of other note, we had Dakota Kai go against Ember Moon in a match. And Dakota Kai, with Raquel Gonzalez outside the ring, defeats Ember Moon. But the thing that happened after this was Zia Lee challenged Raquel Gonzalez to a match for the NXT title. Uh, the thing for me that's interesting about this, Zia Lee is supposedly one of the people that has been showing up for, for SmackDown tapings and or raw tapings Mm -hmm. and maybe making a jump to the main roster so this could be her swan song because Raquel Gonzalez similar to you know what's going on with Roman Reigns who do you have for her you don't have anybody else ready you Mm -hmm. had so long with Io Shirai as champion and she went through everybody and then once that ended EO was the top face, mm-hmm. and you didn't have any faces ready for Raquel Gonzalez. They had to use Ember Moon, mm-hmm. because Ember Moon, like, hey, she's former champion, and okay, we could sell that, but who else do they have to line up? They, they really don't have anybody. It, it's thin on the babyface side for women in NXT, because you got the way, you've got Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai. When Tony Storm was there, she was a heel. A whole lot of heels, not a lot of faces. So they definitely need to bulk up the women's uh, face side of the division down and there. And you had two women who were faces in Io Shirai and in uh, Zoe Stark. Who just but, won the tag team Who just titles. won the tag team titles. And it's like, yes, I understand that we just did Io Shirai versus... Raquel Gonzalez, but hey, it's better than just like, all right, well, I guess we're getting Zia Lee, who is technically a heel going up against Raquel Gonzalez, who is a heel, which is starting to have me think that Raquel Gonzalez is going to be flipping pretty soon. So. Uh, it's certainly possible, but we we shall see what all this does. But yeah, this match was specifically there to set up mm-hmm. for the future and actually had little to nothing to do with the women in the ring. Correct. By the way, uh, when I was helping one of our good friends move today, the woman who was, uh, like the, at the front desk, looked exactly like Ember Moon. She even had the contacts. It wasn't the oh. red contacts, but like, the hair was the same. Like, 
build was very similar. I'm like, oh, it's number one in my brain. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, and for the main event, we had Karrion Cross defending against Johnny Gargano the NXT title. Honestly, I was a little shocked at the outcome. I thought, again, based off of what we've been hearing about Karrion Cross, maybe going to the main roster. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do like Kevin Owens did, where he goes up with the NXT title. Right. I figured they're going to have Johnny Gargano get some sort of cheap win here. And Karrion Cross actually went over in this match. Not only did he do that, special guest referee Samoa Joe got choked out mm-hmm. by Cross at the end. My one problem with this, Samoa Joe was just recently hired to be the enforcer. I understand Cross is your NXT champion. Your enforcer shouldn't be getting choked out. Agree. Not this soon. You know, Samoa Joe should be the one. I think I think when it, if it ultimately leads to Samoa Joe getting medically cleared so that he can have a match, match against Karen Cross, Cross, then yes, you know it makes all the sense in the world. But until that that point happens, I agree with you. I did have a little bit of a problem with the fact that. Your new enforcer gets choked out less than a month in the job. Right. So. Uh, speaking uh, 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 of matches I would love to see, I'd love to see Karrion Cross versus Walter, but unfortunately, Walter got injured. And it's and it's it's such a disappointing thing, too, because Walter was supposed to have his rematch with Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship this coming week. But because of the fact that Walter suffered what they call a significant uh, hand injury, he will not be able to defend the title next week against Dragunov. I'm curious to see what happens. There's been speculation that they are going to just postpone the match and have it later on. I mean, which means that like the injury isn't as incredibly serious, but it's serious enough to postpone the match and there's nothing wrong with taking precautions because you have a star in walter who is absolutely 100 percent the future of your company and you got to make sure that you have to think about him long term wise instead of just in the short term where well in pandemic obviously slowed this down but i think the my belief is what they want to do with nxt they want to have like uh NXT in India, I think they want to have one in Japan, Japan, I think in the Middle East somewhere, and have these different NXT branches, and then have like almost like this World Cup, Mm -hmm. almost like the Pat O'Connor World Tag Team Championship Tournament that that, that they had at Clash 13. Clash 13, there were a bunch of matches set up for that, but... uh, Anyway, I think their ultimate goal is to, let's say, have eight different NXTs, NXTs and then have an eight, you know, man tournament from each NXT division to, to crown, like, an ultimate NXT champion. Agreed. Almost like an NXT universal champion. I think that would be a cool thing, because for years, as wrestling fans, we always talked about, hey, wouldn't it be great if... You know, WCW went against guys from WWF. Mm-hmm. Or, if, you know, for me, dating myself, AWA guys going against, you know, WWF guys. They After WWF did WrestleMania and that became successful, uh, world-class championship wrestling, AWA, 
and, and one other organization, I think, combined together to do a thing called, like, Supercard. And I think they did one or two of those, but I remember that the, the championship match was Kerry Von Erich versus Jerry the King Lawler, but I think what they want to do is, within the WWE company, just have mm -hmm. a worldwide reach and have a world tournament and have Titus O'Neil be the overall commissioner. Worldwide! Yeah! So, all right, so Chris Braun is saying he thinks his his gut's telling him Walter broke his hand. Wouldn't surprise me. And with Walter's moveset, he kind of needs his hand. Yeah, agreed. Now, if he uh, uses his hand with a cast, ow. Yeah. Ow. Yes. So, all right. So that's that, uh, blah, 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 blah. and uh, th that's basically everything as far as we go with NXT. There are a couple of things of note with AEW that happened this week. Uh, John Moxley did beat Carl Anderson to retain the IWGP Championship. United uh, States Championship. United States Championship. Uh, we had uh, Starks going against Cage, and Cage is officially out of Team Taz. And Ricky Starks is now the FTW w Champion. Yep. And, um, yeah. And we're definitely building a little bit towards more towards Malachi Black and um, Cody. Cody Rhodes. I am so excited that match is going to fucking kill it when they decide to do it. And I liked how Malachi Black specifically said, yeah, there's not an intensity in your eyes like there should be. And when Cody's like, going, why don't you come to the ring and, mm -hmm. and I'll show you. <laughs> my intensity like stuff like that I, I i freaking love it and it's like going if the person did lose their intensity it's like going malachi black is the one who's sitting there like putting the fire under his ass so mm -hmm. i appreciate that we also had a coffin match darby allen dude i appreciate that you take risks that one you did at the end of the match was just dumb Thankfully, you didn't get hurt, and thankfully, you, you didn't hurt Ethan Page underneath that coffin. Mm -hmm. But, like, if he was off by just a little bit, he could have, like, knocked his head and just destroyed his brain. Yep. I mean, good for you for not doing it, but, man, if I were Tony Khan, I'd be like, Don, do not take that risk. It'd be like, uh, uh, what's his name, Charlie, uh... Not Chainsaw Charlie. Charlie? Not Charlie, uh... Lou Brown. Nice catch, Hayes. Hey, nice catch. Don't ever fucking do it again. So. So we had that. Uh, we also, I think next week is when. Uh, Firefest day two is. Uh, day two is. And, you know, with them having fans and the fact that I think their show is in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, Moxley and Lance Archer are having a Texas death match. Sign me up for that. Same. Uh, Texas Deathmatch, if I'm recalling correctly, is basically a last man standing match. Yep. I enjoy the different titling of it, because I, I remember watching Texas Deathmatches from watching World Class Championship Wrestling, so... Yeah! Uh, yeah! I, I, I dig the heck out of that. Um, Alright. So we had Hangman Page confronting... Dr. Derpface, to try to get a, a world title match. My minor problem with this, in AEW, 
you get your title shot based off of wins and losses. Who's the number one contender? He should just get a title shot, right? Should get a, just get a title shot. Uh, but D Dr. Derpface says, no, uh, uh, no, I'm going to propose something to you. Uh, and some of this had to do with other things that had happened earlier where the Dark Order and Young Bucks got involved. So, basically, Dr. Derpface said, all right, we're going to have a five-on-five five match. It's going to be the Elite going against Dark Order and Hangman Page. Hangman Page and Dark Order win. That means Page gets his world title match. And that means Dark Order gets a tag team title match against the, the Young Sucks. Which, again, hey, hey it works. I, it, it, it's something, again, I don't, like, when AEW talks about, like, wins and losses matter, it's like going, hey, Hangman Page should be next in line. He shouldn't have another obstacle to clear. Yes. So, that's my minor problem with this. Mm -hmm. But overall... I'm like going, all right, Dr. Derpface trying to exert his uh, authority, mm -hmm. similar to Roman Reigns, saying like, yeah, get out of my company yep. with, with Daniel Bryan and, you know, for, forcing, you know, the authority figures to do what he says. Right. So I guess it, it, it's kind of in that vein. So obviously we're going to end up getting Hangman Page. Versus the Derp. Dr. Derp. So it's clear how this is going to end. And, and, and that's fine. Sometimes predictable stuff like this is fine to me because, you, you, you know, you can't go from zero to 60 and get there. This has been a slow burn. They could bring back the stuff from when they were a tag team. Yep, and, oh, absolutely. And... and weave that into the part of the storyline even matt jackson like going oh i could smell the alcohol on your breath yeah Fuck and that. talking about how dark order like you know we're a bunch of winners here why are you hanging around with these losers yeah you know good little subtle stuff i yeah. I, I well not so subtle i guess but so i like that overall uh yeah uh, but one thing I, I will add that I did like about the Darby Allen Ethan Page match was Scorpio Sky hiding in the coffin to start the match, but then the Stinger ended up, you know, chasing him off through the crowd, and you know what, Sting still can go pretty well for a man his age, yep. and you know he hasn't embarrassed himself in, in anything that they've done. They've done a good job of protecting him, so good on them for, you know, taking a guy who has some gas left in the tank, but obviously at his age, not a lot of gas in the tank, but using him in the right way to help elevate other talent. Yep. Agreed. He He's elevated everybody that's been in the ring with him or in that factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they had the match against Team Taz. Yes, I agree. So, all right. On time? to Money in the Bank. Ooh. Money in the Bank money. predictions. Money, 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 money. So. All right, what, what's the first match we got in the line? All right, we've got the Mysterios versus the Usos. 
Just added to the card, too, by the way. I think this is when it happens. Uh, this is the reason why Jimmy Uso did not get suspended or taken off television after his DUI arrest. And for whatever reason, I got this feeling that they are going to win the tag team titles tomorrow night. I 100% agree. You know, I think in general, most of the money in the bank match, I think we have a good idea of what's going to happen. But all of this is to, to further storylines. And the Usos should win this match. Because they're both on the same page this time, where they almost beat the Mysterios when they weren't even on the same page. So, I agree. Usos win this match. And, it's so and, crazy. Yeah. All right. So then we have another tag team match. AJ and Omos going against the Viking Raiders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. I'm going with the Viking experience. Interesting. All right. I, I, nothing against the fact that AJ Styles and Omos have actually done a pretty solid job. I, I just think that the Viking Raiders are a more established tag team. They're one of the best tag teams in the entire planet. I'm, I could see that I'm seeing them winning the titles on tomorrow night. All right, I'm going with AJ and Omos because I think when AJ and Omos lose the titles, I think that's when they will depart ways, and that's when AJ and Omos will have a feud. I don't think Omos is ready at this moment. I think they will have a little bit longer of a tag team reign, and yeah. Yeah? Yeah? I got no problem with that. I just I'm thinking a little outside I got the box. You. I want to think a little outside the box this pay-per-view. Wait yeah. Till, wait till we get to the Money in the Bank matches. Ooh. All right. So, you know what? Just because based off of, you know, if somebody wins a Money in the Bank, cha- uh, you know, briefcase, they could possibly cash in later. So let's talk about those matches in case we believe there could be a cash in later. Okay. All right. Let's do the Women's Money in the Bank, which has Asuka, Naomi, Alexa, Nikki, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natty Neidhart and Tamina Snuka. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a lot of this is pointing towards Liv Morgan winning this because she's been red hot. She had the storyline heading into this, and I could see them just giving her the briefcase because, honestly, she does deserve it. But I've had a revelation this week. Yeah? WWE is going to put the Money in the Bank briefcase on Zelina Vega. Okay. Malachi Black just moved over to AEW and has been on there the last couple of weeks. And a lot of people are thinking that maybe he will come back to WWE after Zelina Vega came out. And after the way the WWE treated Lana after Rusev left and went to AEW and did his thing, I see WWE doing a complete 180 and actually shooting Zelina Vega to the moon. So that's why Zelina Vega is my pick to win the women's money in the bank ladder match. Okay. All right. Now, if they were if they were heading into tomorrow with an empty spot instead of Tamina getting it, I would have said Sonya Deville would have been the one getting that spot and that she would have won it. But since they're going with the eight people that they have, I'm going with Selena Vega. So for me, like, with Selena just getting back, I just don't see them having her win money in the bank. They've done things like that before. Like when Paige made her debut on the main roster. She won the title the first match she had. Santino won the Intercontinental title his first so time as well. they do that on occasion. I don't think that's what they're going to do here. To me, I think there are only two possible choices in this match. I think it's either Liv Morgan or Nikki Ash. I think Nikki Ash would be more along the lines of when Otis won it, you know, out of left field, and just a, a 
fun story that you're like, yay, yay. Mm-hmm. The clear favorite is Liv Morgan. For whatever reason, I don't want to sit there and do chalk for this match. Okay. I'm going with Nikki Ash. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I, 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 I know it's crazy, but... And neither one of us is going to be mad if Liv Morgan wins tomorrow. So no. Let's get that perfect. Let's Absolutely. Let's get that perfectly clear. She's who I really want to see win it. I'm just thinking a little outside the box on this a little bit, and that's why I'm going with Zelina Vega. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Chris saying Liv gets the briefcase. That... that Nothing against that. All right, so men's Money in the Bank ladder match. We got Ricochet, John Morrison, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Seth frickin' Rollins. I'm going to tell you right now, there's two people who really stick out for me, and they really, I I I really don't want, one of them I really don't want to have win it because of what he was just, the, the story he was just a part of. And one of them I'd be intrigued to see. And the two people that stick out for me are Drew McIntyre and Big E. Drew McIntyre already had his his thing with Bobby Lashley and was fighting for the main event picture and everything. I think it's time for somebody else to get that opportunity. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussions with the, the draft that got pushed back a month that they were going to swap out Big E for Drew McIntyre so that Big E is a fresh face for Bobby Lashley to go up against and Drew McIntyre is a more fresher face for Roman Reigns to feud with. Sure. Um... It does look a lot like they are definitely pushing Big E to win this match. And I want to say Big E, but I'm really going to go out in right field for this one. So far out of right field that I pulled it out of the, out of the bleachers. I'm going with Ricochet. Okay. Really out of the box. Nobody would expect it to happen, and I would love to see Ricochet. And I think Ricochet would kill it, and he's going to have a great performance tomorrow, and I think he's going to end up winning the match. There are a lot of... Uh stunt people in this match that are going to do some ridiculous things. I hope you appreciate what the men and women are going to do to their bodies tomorrow. Mm -hmm. When they talk about these matches being career-shortening and career-threatening, I mean, it's it's legit. I mean, not the same exact style match, but Edge had his career cut short by 10 years. By being in ladder matches. Yep. So, you know, referee Tim White had his career ended as a referee by a Hell in a Cell match. Yep. They shortened careers, and the stuff they are willing to do, I know they tried to make it as safe as possible, but with all the things we've seen them do over the years, you know, it's like, how high does the bar get set, and what are you willing to do in... Are you willing to trust the person on the other end to do that thing to you while you're on a ladder or utilizing a ladder? You know, I think they're going to give Biggie the bone because guess what? They dropped the ball big time with that man. Yep. It wasn't his fault. None of it was his fault. But, and, and I don't like the idea that a guy who just recently lost the Intercontinental title, lost his rematch, is in this match. But Big E deserves this for how badly WWE botched everything after that. Yep. Speaking of which, where is our Intercontinental champion, Ben? Up on the... 
I enjoy his new character. I enjoy the stuff they had been doing with him in Commander Aziz. I think a couple of weeks ago they were on TV, but they weren't on. Didn't see him last night. I, 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 but it's been a couple of weeks. It's like the Intercontinental title is uh, MIA. So uh, I'm I'm going with Big E. I know that Big E is the the favorite, but okay, not wrong with that. We got three different picks here. All right. Rollins. All right, Chris Brown. You know, and Rollins, you know, kept on teasing. Uh, maybe he'll cash in on Roman again. Or if Edge wins, he'll cash in on Edge. So They said it was going to be Rollins and Edge at SummerSlam. They just didn't, they didn't go to the extent of how Rollins and Edge was going to happen. That thought crossed my mind, too. If you had Roman Reigns lose on somebody cashing in the money in the bank, he doesn't look weak. Yep. So, that could be a way. All right, so we have Rhea Ripley, Raw Women's Champion, going against Charlotte Flair. I, I almost say that this is a lock. Charlotte Flair is going to win this match because, guess what? We got SummerSlam coming up. They're doing it in the stadium. They want to have the biggest money match they could possibly have. I love Rhea Ripley, but Charlotte Flair is the one who has the star name and the star appeal. They want as much star power in these main events for that show. Charlotte goes over. Not so fast, my friend. I'm going with Rhea Ripley because what's going to end up happening, since Becky Lynch is going to be at Money in the Bank tomorrow anyway, this is a way for them to set up that Becky can come out after Rhea Ripley beats Charlotte and says, I'm the next one up there. I never lost my title. I went and became a mother and setting up for Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley for SummerSlam. That's not a bad idea. Boom. That's not a bad idea. That was my first tinfoil hat theory. Yeah? All right. So then we have uh, Bobby Lashley going against Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. Oh, Zelina Vega was my other one, by the way. You already said that. Oh, right. My tinfoil hat, really? No, no, no. You you, you already said she was going to win. No, but that was my other tinfoil hat theory I had. Was that she was going to win the, tinfoil, the the money in the bank instead of Liv Morgan. Yes, you already said that. Oh. It's not just a gimmick, people. It's a lifestyle. I'm agreeing with you what you said earlier. Not only is Bobby Lashley winning this match, Bobby Lashley is the lock of the weekend. Bobby Lashley goes over on Kofi Kingston. Do you think this is a squash match? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Kofi. Poor Kofi getting the squash match against Brock and getting the squash match against Lashley. It's like they had the competitive match. They Well, they had the match where Kofi won, and then they had the mm -hmm. competitive match for the title at Hell in the Cell. Yeah. And now you get a, a more focused, more determined, more ass-kicking Lashley. I I think this is going to be a squash match. I think it's like Kofi may get in a couple of things uh, of offense, but I think like less than five minutes. Oh, easily. It's not going to be Brock Lesnar bad, but it's not going to be a long standing. I mean, I would love to see him have a long match, but Bobby Lashley's going to beat the shit out of him. Sorry. Sorry, Kofi. Yeah. And my and my buddy Stefan's going to be very disappointed because those are his two favorite wrestlers going at it. Which has got to make you feel good knowing that your two favorite wrestlers are fighting for the title at a pay-per-view. Right. And 
the reason why, I, I mean, Lashley's obviously just a lock for us is it, it's been rumored that we're going to get Bobby Lashley versus Bill Goldberg for the title at SummerSlam. You know, they've got Goldberg signed up for two matches a year until 2022. You know, I'm fine with them using Goldberg. I just want them to vary the formula a little bit more for his matches. The one he had with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 33 was perfect, but don't sit there and say, this is the blueprint and we're not deviating from it at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are different ways to do it. They attempted to do it a little bit different with Drew McIntyre, but it wasn't way different, you know. They had the pre-match beat the hell out of each other before, you know, the match, but it's like, all right, the Bill Goldberg match is, all right, everybody hits their finishing move, and then kicks out, and then and then somebody hits a finishing move to win. And, and it's five minutes or less. Yep. So. All right, and then we have Roman Reigns going against Edge for the Universal title. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. You know, they don't have they didn't have anybody left for Roman Reigns to go against. Edge never got his one-on-one title match from, from winning the, win the Royal Rumble. Rumble. It makes sense storyline-wise, and I do believe despite the fact that there are some reports that John Cena will not be appearing at SummerSlam. I believe that is false. I believe John Cena is appearing, and he will go against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. And that is the biggest match I think they could do for SummerSlam. So, so that's it. That is the card. Nice. So now it's time for the good, the bad, and the brainless. Yeah. So what was your good for this week, Cousin Jay? Like I said, I, I, I kind of went in left field here with this one. It was just a little bit stupid, but my type of stupid. The the Baron Corbin fund for his wife and kids. It's not like a Heath Slater, like, you know, I got kids. Brock Lesnar doesn't care about his kids. No. And, and, you know, if Brock Lesnar comes out and ends up, saying he doesn't care about mm-hmm. Baron Corbin's kids. That that would be great, too. Uh, but I'm going with the fund funding page for Baron Corbin. Please, please help this man out. He's looking more like a bum every week. His hair is looking disheveled. Please help him. That was my good. All right. I really thought that we were going to be on the same page, but I guess not. My good for this week is the return of the fans to live weekly television. 70 weeks we have gone with, during this pandemic without seeing fans. Obviously, we got a little bit of a taste of it at WrestleMania. A little bit of AEW. A little bit more in AEW. So the fact that the fans have been back and just seeing how much of an impact that the fans do actually have on the actual show itself makes it feels just it just it feels right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, that's why I had to give it my good for this week because how good are the fans yeah. doing what they're doing? Absolutely. What do you got for bad? All right, so my bad... For this week. So, part of the match with, with Xavier Woods and Bobby Lashley, uh, Lashley hit a spear and kind of took it, kind of took his time, but not like completely took his time to try to cover Xavier Woods. A Bobby Lashley spear should knock you out. Yes. But somehow Xavier Woods is able to have enough strength to hold down the 
almighty, almighty Bobby Lashley. I, di I just didn't like it. It makes the spear look weak, it, it, and it made, in my view, Lashley look weak that a extremely weakened, if I'm to believe professional wrestling, you know, the art of professional wrestling, I'm to believe that the ass kicker Bobby Lashley, when he hits a spear, it should end you. Yes. And Xavier Woods had enough energy to pin the guy who's bigger and stronger than him. I just didn't like it. And that's my bad. Okay. I have nothing against that. I think that's actually a really good one as well. Uh, my bad for this week, I am going to go with... Shit, I just had it too. Fuck. I did this you should write it down. I know, I should write it down. I, I, I write it down because my brain will brainless itself too. And I am more brainless than anything else in this world. Um, shit, let me see if I can try to remember it really quickly. Now, Chris Brown actually saying Which is he funny. wants Edge, man. And it's funny, too, because like, I have my brainless already figured out, and I already know where my brainless is going to go, but I just forgot what my bad was going to be. All right, well, we'll just go to brainless, and go to your brainless. you know, uh, if your bad comes back to you, then we'll, yes. we'll hit that. So, I've talked about this. I retired the, tag, the, the champions losing in non-title match as my brainless. Mm-hmm. But then WWE goes and does something to make me put it back. Not only did we have the women's tag team champions lose once in a non-title match, we had them lose in successive weeks to the same team. Isn't it supposed to be when you lose to, or, or when a team beats the champions, you're supposed to get, you know, that next shot for the title the next time you face each other supposed to be a title shot why don't we have new tag team champions we now have our women's tag team champions that lost twice in a row to the same team and then you have like natty lose and you just randomly insert her and tamina into the women's money in the bank match there are so many things here that don't make sense the way they're booking the, the the women's division right now it's mm -hmm. just like freaking baffling yeah i agree who the hell is coming up with this crap i'm looking forward to seeing mickey james and what the hell she has to do for the M nwa women's show i and think they, it's going to be fucking awesome and they just announced that they're going to have nwa women's tag team championships debuting at the next show too so yeah stupid 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 which is, it's funny too, because now I remember what my bad was, and I can't believe I forgot it. That's how my brain works. Um, my bad for this week goes to Kevin Dunn. You had an opportunity to sit there and, and just enable and just allow Pat McAfee to just take what Nakamura is doing with Rick Boogs to another level, and you just completely dropped the ball with that. And I, I just think that... You gotta, you gotta utilize your best thing. Cause I even said, like, with the fans coming back, that McAfee's gonna be even better. And like this whole thing, especially because they're gonna be at Money in the Bank, and we're gonna get Pat McAfee at Money in the Bank doing whatever the fuck he's gonna do with freaking Nakamura. And I enjoy that. So the fact that Pete Dunn is, or I'm sorry, the fact that Kevin Dunn is the one that's causing me to have the full McAfee experience, 
It upsets me, but it's only good enough to be my bad for this week because my brain list goes to the fact that Bill Goldberg is going to be wrestling Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship, which means we already know what the outcome is going to be of the Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston match for tomorrow, which means you take that complete, all that element out of the equation. But the fact is, is that why is Goldberg getting another title match? Goldberg... He lost. It just... It just seems like whenever you think Goldberg, and, and I'm one of those ones, I love Goldberg because I love squash matches. Right. Him against Dolph Ziggler a couple years ago at SummerSlam was tremendous. Spectacular. But when he went against Brock Lesnar that it time, was great. It, it, was great. it was a great match. Even him and McIntyre wasn't terrible at uh, Royal Rumble last year. Well, and him and McIntyre at WrestleMania, you, you know, it, it wasn't a bad match, but it was just boilerplate yeah. Bill Goldberg match. That, 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 for me, that's my only problem with, with what they've done with that, and I, I think more or less we had a, a uh, we had a similar match, like in night one and night two of WrestleMania, and yeah. I, I, I I forget exactly what the other match was, but I, I think Braun Strowman was in it. But uh, Braun Strowman fought Brock Lesnar. All right, not Brock Lesnar. He fought uh, um, Bill Goldberg. So the Goldberg Braun Strowman match was similar to the McIntyre Lesnar match. Yes. So, but. You know, the, the, these are some of the things that, you know, after a while just kind of drive you crazy. I'm just saying, I, I'm just, I'm tired of Bill Goldberg getting these opportunities. It's like, dude, he was he was relevant during the Attitude, or during the uh, the Monday Night Wars back in the 90s. And like I said, nothing against Goldberg himself, but it's like, come on, man. Dude doesn't show up for fucking months, and it's like, all right, here's a title shot at the second biggest show of the year. But he still draws a crowd. Yes, that's true. And that's why they keep putting him in these matches, whether it's pay-per-view buys or whether it's merchandise, whatever it is. Vince McMahon still believes that there is a dollar value with Bill Goldberg, and that's why he brings him out. But one thing that is mildly shocking and, you know, not super upsetting is, like, that means that we don't have Brock Lesnar, which means... The Lashley-Lesnar match that I've been clamoring for since probably like 2014 is still not ready to happen yet. The only thing we've seen on Brock Lesnar lately is he was with the Bearded Butchers on YouTube this week cutting up meat. With a with a with a man bun type of thing, a ponytail. He had a ponytail that could have been turned into a man bun. Yes, I bet his cologne was better than dollar ninety nine Walmart. With the uh, the barbershop powder? Yeah. Yeah. But. So, uh, yeah. So if you're a first-time viewer or a long-time viewer, make sure you like us on all social media. Which would be either Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and Twitter at the, the letter T, the letter H, the letter E, the letter F, the letter N, M-A-R-K-S, the F, and Marks. If you like, follow, and subscribe to us. We will do the same back. That has always been our motto. And mantra. And our mantra. Um, and don't forget, the Sp- I guess, the Spotify thing that I keep forgetting to... Yeah, with uh, Spotify, I, I think last week I forgot... Not that I forgot, I, I, I think there was something as far as whatever we were talking about already had passed by the time I could have yeah. actually uh, posted it. So I will get back on that this week. So uh, make sure on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those things. So you can take us on the road and listen to the show. And we're also obviously every week on the All Elite Marks page doing Facebook Live. Make sure you set up notifications so you can watch us as we do our thing, so you can join into the conversation and obviously the FN Marks page. 
uh, and tying all that together uh, with our Facebook page and with our Instagram page, the Brainless One still has the tournament going for the greatest goat song of all time. So in the, the greatest goat entrance song in wrestling history mega tournament of goatness, in our second tournament, we had our outcome a couple days ago. And the winner of the Attitude Era, which was tournament number two, is Stone Cold Steve Austin. No surprise to the brainless one. Um, and, and it was funny, too, because it was in the, in the final four of that. It was Austin versus the Dudley Boys. And then we had Chris Jericho going up against Kane. Fourth legendary entrance song. What? What? But, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin went uh, moved on. Funny, interesting uh fact real quick before I announce what the third tournament's going to be. The the championship, the last two and the first two tournaments of this tournament, we had Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker in the first one. Couple and in of the goats. second one, we had Steve Austin versus Chris Jericho. Couple of goats. So, I thought it was interesting that the finals of the first two tournaments of the mega tournament of goatness were all guys who were in my Rushmore. Yeah. Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Chris Jericho make up the brainless Rushmore of professional wrestling. You, you so, don't have Ric Flair on it? As much as I would love to put Ric Flair, I mean, for me personally, it, those were my four guys. Okay. The greatest character of all time, my personal favorite wrestler, the guy who got me into professional wrestling, and the Goat of Goats who have goated more than goats have ever goated in the history of goat dumb. So. Right. And in the third one, we have... Drum roll, please. <laughs> Ruthless Aggression. Will be tournament number three in the greatest goat entrance song in wrestling history mega tournament of goatness. There are a lot of you know all all of these different eras and all these different companies had some great music. Ruthless Aggression had a bevy of really good ones. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm just sitting there thinking of like Drew McIntyre's old theme, Sheamus's old theme. Uh, Sheamus's will not be in the uh, what? In the, I don't know if he's in the ruthless aggression one. I think I think because technically is... speaking, he was in ruthless aggression. Well, technically, it's I, a I, I, thing I put, I, that's because I put him in the uh, modern. The modern. Ugh. I want to say McIntyre is in it. The Doctor of Thugonomics is in there. Doctor Thugonomics. Yeah. So uh, that will be posted again tomorrow. Um, I, I figured out a way of posting it, and uh, I mean, I'd like to get a new phone by then, but. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. But anyway, so make sure you, you check it out. I'm going to post it on Facebook. And the actual tournament where you can vote will be on Instagram, but you will be notified on Facebook when we will be posting the tournament. And I love the fact that we get more and more people coming in and voting. So please come in and vote for your favorites. This is gonna, It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying myself. And I can't wait to see how this all unfolds. Yeah. So all I right. Think I think that's it. Wait. There's one more thing, I think. Wait. What is that? That's because today, which is July seventeenth of two thousand and twenty-one, and the astonishing two thousand three hundred sixty-five days, F. It marks Hall of Famer is still alive in the two thousand fifteen Royal Rumble. Yeah. I. I yeah. I forgetting forgetting today's date was what killed me. Yeah. Anyway. For episode 230 of the FM Marks Podcast. I'm Jay. And I am the brainless one. Make sure you mark out with your guaco. See you, everybody.
Thanks Enjoy Money in. in the Bank. We'll see you. Yeah? Yeah? And don't forget to vote tomorrow. Yeah. Your civic duties as, uh, as Americans to vote. America!